1: Welcome to the Talking Biotech Podcast. It's the weekly podcast about agriculture and medicine with an emphasis on biotechnology and the good things we can do for people and the planet. Uh, Today we're speaking with Zach Abbott. Dr. Zach Abbott, he works with ZBiotics, where he's the CEO of the company as well as a a scientist there, and he's come up with a solution to a problem that many of us have experienced at some time in our life, right? So uh, welcome to the podcast, Zach.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Kevin. Uh, really excited to be here and talking with you about this. I admire your work, so I'm really excited.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. Like we we met at a meeting in Minneapolis, and I was so happy to sit and talk to you about your product and also kind of the um, fearless way in which you've taken on uh, developing it. Which is, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. But what's the problem, first of all, that you and Zbiotics are seeking to solve?
2: So I'd say that fundamentally. The problem we are seeking to solve is making um, protein delivery uh, to the gut uh, more simple and effective. Um, You know, so the idea is that, um, you know, there are all these great enzymes that can do all these amazing things for you, um, but uh, they're very difficult to kind of um, deliver. Um, And and so, you know, ZBiotics wanted to solve that problem. Um, And then more specifically, um, you know, an application or focus for that problem was around uh, acetaldehyde, which is a toxic byproduct of drinking alcohol um, that can cause some of the sort of next day misery uh, associated with drinking. And so uh, we know um, to sort of link the two together, we know that your liver makes an enzyme that breaks acetaldehyde down. Um, But the problem is that The liver doesn't have access to the gut where a lot of acetaldehyde is formed. And so I wanted to come up with a solution to solve the idea of getting an enzyme into your gut, similar to the one that your liver uses.
1: So the enzyme is called acetaldehyde. And do you know what it does in the catalysis of alcohol?
2: So the enzyme is actually an acetaldehyde dehydrogenase, um, and its purpose is to break down, uh, or really... uh, uh, oxidized acetaldehyde into acetate. Um, and so in terms of it, that the context of alcohol metabolism as a whole, uh, essentially when you consume alcohol, uh, one enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase, uh, breaks alcohol down into acetaldehyde. And then a second enzyme, the acetaldehyde dehydrogenase, uh, turns acetaldehyde into acetate. Um, and as I said, um, those two enzymes are expressed uh, very effectively in the liver. Um, However, uh, the same is not true in the gut.
1: What is it exactly that gives you the post uh, imbibition discomfort?
2: The next day sort of symptoms, uh, I usually call it like a a symphony of distress. Uh, There's (laughs) there's many things that are kind of happening. And to be truthful, I mean, uh, honestly, the state of the scientific understanding of kind of the next day symptoms of alcohol is still pretty nascent. You know, there, there have been studies, but honestly, it's a complex kind of, uh, like I say, collection of, of symptoms and, and not all of it is fully understood, but there are some things that we do know. Um, for instance, we know that alcohol itself um, binds to uh, different receptors in the brain um, that cause this sort of pendulum swing uh, of alertness and sleepiness um, while you sleep. Um, which actually serves to disrupt um, the, your, your sleep rhythms and your sleep cycle. So you end up not getting good quality sleep or, or entering the deepest levels of sleep. Uh, we also know that alcohol is a very mild diuretic. Um, however, what we also know is that contrary to kind of popular belief, um, dehydration has very little to do with uh, with sort of the next day misery after drinking. Um, uh, you know, and that was shown in some nice studies where they looked at sort of biomarkers of dehydration, such as vasopressin, and saw that they didn't correlate. Um, so in some ways, it's sort of been debunked uh, as an issue. Um, but I'd say most importantly, and most to the point for Z-biotics, um, is acetaldehyde accumulation. So acetaldehyde is a really toxic molecule. Um, and it's known to be, you know, cause cell death, uh, DNA damage, create protein adducts. Um, and, and this results in many things. Uh, most notably, there's a significant amount of inflammation that your body has to deal with as sort of, as acetaldehyde uh, uh, sort of wreaks havoc throughout the body. It's kind of like um, if you have a house party uh, and somebody brings their their jerk friend to the party and kind of starts smashing up uh, vases and, and uh, you know, uh, spilling drinks and stuff, um, acetaldehyde is kind of uh, the anal- analogous to that. It really creates a lot of, of uh, issues throughout the body that the next day you're kind of, you know, dealing with the snowball effect of inflammation caused by that.
1: Okay. I see. So you're talking about this uh, stuff called uh, acid aldehyde as being really a problem, but your solution is to create um, a way to solve the problem in the gut. So how do you solve a problem in the gut or how do you deliver a solution to the gut that affects something that accumulates in the liver?
2: Yeah, no, that, uh, that is a perfect question and a question, you know, we got a lot. And, and what's interesting is that, as I say, actually the liver is, is excellent at at kind of completing the two-step reaction from alcohol to acetaldehyde and from acetaldehyde to acetate. So the liver is actually very good at this. Um, What what the deal is, is that the gut is not. Um, Basically uh, in your gut, um, mostly largely driven by your microbiome, but also in part by enzymes expressed uh, in the gut epithelium, um, alcohol is pretty effectively broken down into acetaldehyde. um, But that second reaction from acetaldehyde to acetate Um, Is not very efficient. And that's because you don't have very much acetaldehyde dehydrogenase in your gut. So, what happens is that even though the vast majority of alcohol is processed in the liver, the small amount that's processed in the gut is almost entirely turned into acetaldehyde. So, while blood acetaldehyde concentrations from the liver are very low, colonic or gut acetaldehyde levels are actually much, much higher, you know, six to 10 times higher. Um, So, what that functionally means is that your gut, is the major source and sink of acetaldehyde. And so what we needed was to get the efficiency of the liver to go into the gut. Um, and so, so in addressing sort of systemic problems, uh, we really want to nip this, the major source of acetaldehyde, acetaldehyde at the bud. Um, and so that is why we felt that delivering an acetaldehyde uh, dehydrogenase enzyme to the gut, um, could really address the major source and the major problem.
1: Okay. So we're going to put an enzyme in the gut. So, uh, but you know, this is a kind of a problem because uh, anyone who's done a little bit of research on probiotics knows that you, you know, you drink a uh, enzyme, you know, take a pill that has some enzyme and enzymes are proteins. How do they survive the gut? So, so what's the solution to that?
2: Right. And, and that really gets fundamentally at the heart of the problem we're trying to solve at z Like you said, I mean, the vast majority of proteins or enzymes that you eat are just broken down, you know, pretty rapidly uh, in the harsh environment of the stomach and the gut um, as food, um, broken down into their component amino acids. Um, so, so a way to deliver an enzyme that could maintain its shape and function um, long enough to to have any meaningful effect was a challenge. And so, you know, what I had determined was a great idea as a way to solve this. Uh, was to engineer a probiotic bacteria to make the enzyme directly in your gut. Um, So if you were to just take a pill with the enzyme uh, itself, it would get broken down. But if you take a pill that has a probiotic bacteria, um, the bacteria can manufacture that enzyme. So you're really at that point eating an enzyme factory rather than the enzyme itself. Um, And and depending on the bacteria you choose, um, those bacteria can be very robust and resistant to sort of the harsh environments of the stomach and the gut. And that's exactly what we did. So we started with a, a probiotic bacteria called B. Subtilis, uh, which is known to be a very common, con, uh, you know, environmental microbe uh, that people eat likely every day of their lives. And it is naturally evolved to pass through the stomach unharmed uh, in a dormant uh, spore form. It then uh, gets into the gut uh, and senses the uh, the positive environment there, the nutrient rich environment in your gut, and then it germinates from that spore. It wakes up. Uh, and then it starts going about its business. And so what we essentially did was we programmed it to have one additional piece of business uh, while it's in there. Uh, in addition to the normal things it does, it now expresses an acetaldehyde dehydrogenase at very high levels. Um, and so you can imagine this sort of probiotic bacteria kind of floating through your gut um, passing through over over the course of about a day and while it kind of floats down that river um, is expressing a ton of acetaldehyde dehydrogenase and really turning any acetaldehyde that it, it encounters in the gut uh, into acetate. Uh, and in, any, in every other way, it, it behaves exactly like it normally would when you ingest.
1: Okay, so now we've talked about the technology. Um, let's take a quick break here. We're talking with Dr. Zach Abbott from ZBiotics uh, in San Francisco and we're talking about a uh, Probiotic solution to the issues of too much consumption of alcohol, the hangover issues that are caused by uh, chemistries that are residual of alcohol breakdown. Uh, this is the Talking Biotech Break, Talking Biotech Breakdown. <laughs> the Talking Bio—that's that's, going to be my, uh, my my band on um, the Talking Biotech podcast—and we'll be back in just a minute.
3: just hate going to the store. All of these labels, free-range, GMO-free, certified Chernobyl radiation safe. It's so confusing, especially in the area of food technology.
4: Well, hi, Lady Shopper. I couldn't help but overhear that you were showing signs of the distress about food and farming.
3: Yes, strange guy, I don't know. I'm concerned. I want biotechnology, synthetic biology, or precision agriculture in my food, Mother Nature gave it all the precision I need.
4: Wow, you seem indeed lost and confused. Why do you feel this way?
3: Well, for years I've listened to these luminaries, Food Babe, Gwyneth Paltrow, and David Avocado Wolf, but now I wonder, are they for real? Do I need certified GMO-free salt? Does salt even have genetics to modify random stranger? If only there was a concise book that explained it all with reputable science that I, a person without a science degree, will totally understand.
4: Wait. I need to introduce you to Food 5.0.
3: Food 5.0? Is that... is that gluten-free?
4: Well, sort of. See, Food 5.0 is a book called Food 5.0, How We Feed the Future a new book by Robert Syke.
3: Sounds interesting, random science man. Tell me more!
4: Well, the book is a substantial science-based book looking at modern farming. It's written for everyone, the average person that has concerns or just wants to know more about food or farm technology. From genes in the field to sensors on the farm, it's really a great book. I have a copy right here.
3: Indeed! This looks like a comprehensive work that may challenge my assumptions and answer so many questions. Thank you, random grocery store stranger!
4: No. Thank you for challenging your own pitifully misplaced beliefs. And reach out to Rob or even the Talking Biotech podcast host if you have any questions.
3: Will do. Imagine, there's something other than coffee at the grocery store that will make me feel smarter.
4: Find Food 5.0, How We Feed the Future, on Amazon or from wherever you can buy books if there are such places anymore. And hurry before food activists buy them all and burn them. This is a needed piece of work that has a place in helping people understand what's on their plate and how it got there.
1: And now we're back on the Talking Biotech podcast. We're speaking with Dr. Zach Abbott. He's the CEO of Zbiotics, And we're talking about a solution that he has created to solve the problem of hangovers um, by uh, probiotics. And it's just, um, there's been all kinds of solutions for uh, hangovers before, from traditional ideas to like special uh, herbal concoctions, uh, which t- turn out to be mostly charcoal. Um, you know, what are some of the other ways people have tried to combat this?
2: Yeah, you know, that is an excellent question. And, and uh, the way you describe the product is, you know, it gives me a good opportunity here. Um, so we are very careful to not describe this as a product to prevent hangovers. And it's for the exact reason, uh, you know, you know using other products as an example is that, um, you know, the hangover as a term is, is very loaded and it, it sort of comes with a lot of potential sort of symptoms and outcomes that, you know, uh, vary from person to person and experience to experience. And so really what our product is, is it's very, it's, you know, it's very specific. It's designed to do one specific thing, which is support your body's ability to break down acetaldehyde, um, which, uh, can cause some of the next, uh, next day effects of drinking. Uh, that being said, it is not, uh, it is, you know, this is real science. It's not science fiction. And so, it's not a get out of jail free card. This isn't something that you take and then, you know, you feel um, perfect the next day. Uh, That's not really how it's designed to work. And I think, you know, when you look at other products that have come on the market in the past, I hate to even, um, you know, put myself in the same category as those um, for the reason that I think that they are pseudoscience and they do promise things that are unrealistic. Anybody who's selling you a hangover cure is probably selling you snake oil because hangover is a very complex um, kind of, cacophony of, of symptoms and events that we don't fully understand. Um, and so most of the things so far that have sort of been presented that way, as you say, there's been, you know, activated charcoal, which actually has, you know, good clinical data to show that it, it really had no effect whatsoever. Um, and there's also sort of these random plant extracts uh, and vitamins and, uh, and things like that. And they sort of you know, just been swept into a bottle and, and branded in a, in a certain way and giving people promises that, um, you know, don't really have any uh, kind of scientific foundation or, or, in the best case, maybe a, a very minimal amount of scientific foundation with, with a few ingredients. But um, on the whole, and, and that's, you know, I don't mean to sound overly critical, um, you know, to be fair, uh, up until this product, I mean, that that's the best we could do. It was, you know, go through kind of what naturally existed, you know, different plants and vitamins and stuff and, and kind of hope for the best, Um, you know, and, and, you know, that strategy is, has been the best we could do for about 6,000 years that humans have been intentionally consuming alcohol. But the fact is that it hasn't been very effective. And so when I started ZBiotics, the idea was that we really need to address this problem, this problem with, with modern technology. And so we decided to build um, something that addressed one uh, of the kind of known root causes of next day misery, and so it's really that it's really meant to target uh, acetaldehyde uh, specifically.
1: Okay, well, here's kind of the red flag on this. So you're not just putting in B subtilis and saying, you know, B subtilis go in and do your thing. And B subtilis probably uh, converts acetaldehyde on its own to some degree. Um, you're actually using a, a genetic engineering tweak here too. So can you explain what you're doing there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, so the enzyme we've been discussing, acid aldehyde dehydrogenase, is not an uncommon enzyme. Uh, your body has about twelve different versions of this enzyme, um, and uh, in the liver, it makes you know a few of these um, pretty efficiently. Um, in addition, this enzyme is present in about seventy percent of all life on the planet. It's one of the oldest enzymes evolutionarily that we have. Um, that being said, uh, as you pointed out, uh, *B. subtilis* doesn't naturally make this. Uh, you know, enzyme in high quantities, and we don't really know when it makes it. Uh, so bacteria are really great at turning kind of different proteins on and off given a certain environment. And so that present, presents a challenge uh, for for us um, in terms of the ability to have a consistently uh, positive effect. Um, if the bacteria are making decisions about when to express a protein or not, they may not express it uh, in your, in a given person's gut. So We did have to genetically engineer this bacteria so that it would make, not only make the enzyme we wanted, um, which was a very efficient version of acetaldehyde dehydrogenase, which we pulled from a different bacteria uh, called Cupervatus nicator. Um, We uh, also had to engineer the bacteria, uh, the B. subtilis bacteria, to make that enzyme um, constitutively, uh, meaning all the time, and make it, make it, uh, uh, make a lot of it, make it very robustly. And so that required. Um, essentially going in and engineering a genetic promoter to be very constitutive and robust. Um, so that, that, you know, that was, uh, we, we essentially created a, a new strain of b subtilis, um b ZB-183. That is what we're calling it.
1: And so the strain, and just for people who are listening, who sometimes don't uh, you know, know the molecular biology very well, they recoded the enzyme to make it more efficient, which is sometimes <laughs> tricky to do because evolution does a good job with that usually, but a very efficient enzyme that's turned on all the time. So the promoter or the control region of the gene expresses it at a very high level. And uh, is it secreted? Do you have a secretion signal on it or does acetaldehyde come in?
2: So that is an excellent question, uh, and it was something that you know w- evolved um, over, or to sort of you know, I guess it's sort of a pun. Uh, I, I, my thinking evolved uh, in in developing this product. Um, at first, I did intend to secrete it, um, but then uh, as I you know thought more about it, I actually realized that a much stronger system would be if if instead of uh, secreting the enzyme, we imported the substrate, uh, and and so. Um, to put it more simply, rather than putting the enzyme outside, we brought the acetaldehyde inside the bacteria. Um, and the reason why that's more effective is that um, the bacteria provide a you know protective environment for that enzyme to function at its best um, capacity. Uh, so they provide uh, the, the correct pH and um, uh, cofactors for that enzyme to efficiently um, work. And they also protect it from other enzymes uh, called proteases, which break down protein. So if it were to be secreted, uh, once it got into the lumen of the gut outside of the bacteria, likely it would be broken down relatively quickly. And so by keeping the protein inside the bacteria, um, the protein is more active for longer. Um, and so then it was a matter of getting the aldehyde into the bacteria, which we were actually quite lucky. Um, acetaldehyde is highly soluble. Um, and so that's a problem uh, for your body in the sense that, you know, when you produce, when your body produces acetaldehyde after you drink, um, that acetaldehyde kind of can diffuse into all the cells of your body and create all the damage it creates. But it also diffuses into the bacterial cell um, where it can get broken down. So it uh, solved a logistical problem for us and I think probably made the made the technology more effective. And so going forward, uh, I think we're going to try to le- continue to leverage uh, sort of the import of the substrate rather than the export of the enzyme.
1: Okay, that's really cool. So, so, But how is this actually delivered? So when someone buys your product, do they get like a tablet or how is it delivered to the body?
2: So it's a um, 15 mil or half ounce uh, liquid bo- liquid in a glass bottle. And so the bacteria are, uh, so one of the amazing things about B. subtilis is um, amongst many, it's a wonderful bacteria, and I'm really excited to be able to work with it, um, is that B. subtilis makes uh, a spore, um, which is a dormant and resilient um, state of the bacteria. It allows it to tolerate you know, wide fluctuations in temperature, as well as tolerate uh, very low pH, uh, such as the acid in your stomach. So many probiotics you know, require special encapsulation um, lest they die uh, in transit through the stomach. Um, amongst other things. And so uh, what's great about B subtilis is that it, it, it kind of comes with its own natural encapsulation in this spore. Um, and so we have the luxury of being able to spin this in a beverage uh, that you can consume. Um, and so the idea is you take this very small kind of liquid shot um, that has uh, a, a, you know a dose of, of B subtilis, ZB1AB3, um, and a little bit of flavoring. Um, and you drink that um, before or during drinking alcohol. Uh, And the idea is that that bacteria gets into your gut. And as the alzalohide is being formed while you're drinking in your gut, um, the bacteria are in there breaking it down before it can be absorbed into your bloodstream. (laughs)
1: You know, it's really funny. I, I took a class in prokaryotic molecular biology. And I could tell you more about B-subtilus spore formation than probably a lot of people on the planet. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, about the uh, It is an incredible
2: process. I mean, the, if I could nerd out with you on B-subtilus, you know, for hours, I would. I mean, it's it's just a... A brilliant uh, bacteria, and it does so many cool things. And the spore is a really incredible um, process. Well,
1: just the formation and how it, it separates off from the rest of the cell. You know, compartmentalizes part of the genetic material and has a number of different physiological things that happen. I don't even you know we could go there, but let's not. Um, right, <laughs> it's not good. Not good podcast. Um, <laughs> I think the thing we'll do it afterwards. All right, yeah, sure. It's over a beer sometime. Um, yeah, I think the thing that is uh, really interesting about this though, is that you have genetically engineered a bacterium to now use as a uh, supplement um, probiotic, but how much regulation did you have to go through to be able to produce this product and market it?
2: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, fundamentally we've made a new food, uh, new food ingredients. So, um, you know, the process for that is very clear and uh, the FDA requires you to demonstrate that the product is safe. Um, and so that's what we did. And we really, we spent the last, uh, two years, uh, you know, going through different levels of, uh, safety testing to demonstrate that the, the, the product we were introducing, um, was going to be safe for people. Um, and that's necessary for any new food, um, you know, whether it be a genetically engineered uh, probiotic or or something else, something else that hasn't been in the food supply or recognized uh, as a safe part of the food supply um, before. And so, uh, you know, specifically for Z-biotics, um, that required us to, first and foremost, I mean, we made a, a logical genetic argument that what we started with was, was B. subtilis, which is a bacteria that humans have been intentionally digest, uh, ingesting um, for uh, hundreds of years in high doses. So you may or may not have heard of a uh, fermented soybean uh, food from Japan called Natto, uh, and, and uh, that is essentially soybeans that have been fermented uh, with the bacteria Bacillus. And so, in a single serving of Natto, there is you know very high levels, higher levels than would be in actually in Z, in, in biotics products. So we know that Bacillus itself is very safe. Um, there's a wealth of evidence on that. And then all we really did was engineer it to express an enzyme uh, internally in the bacteria uh, that is present in, in, you know, in some form in 70% of all life on the planet. So there's no reasonable expectation that the combination of those two things would be anything but safe. Uh, your body is very familiar with both of the components uh, of this, of this product. That being said, you know, we did several tests to confirm that, um, you know, several in vitro tests and, and, uh, as well as, uh, you know, from my opinion, unfortunately, uh, we, we you know, we had to do, um, a 90 day uh, repeat dose study in rodents, um, which, you know, I personally felt was sort of an unnecessary waste of rodent life, but um, it is the gold standard. And we felt like because we were launching this product, we really should um, adhere to what the FDA currently expects. Um, That being said, you know, we hope to move towards um, more uh, humane uh, types of testing in the future um, and and encourage the FDA to do so as well. Um, But uh, that, you know, with all that said, you know, we had all that data, uh, that we generated, it was reviewed by some, you know, some of America's top toxicologists. Um, we're in the process, the final process of uh, revision uh, for publishing that data in a peer-reviewed journal called the Journal of Toxicology. Um, and our goal is to be extremely transparent about what we've done, um, what we've created, and and allow people to review that safety data and, and that argument for safety for themselves. Um, and so there's no uh, hiding uh, or you know being not straightforward uh, about the product or how it was made or why we believe it to be safe. And we hope that people will feel comfortable in reviewing that and determining for themselves whether or not that they feel that the product is safe.
1: How hard was it to get the um, mice or the rats to do shots of tequila? Uh,
2: <laughs> well, that might be that might be uh, you know uh, uh, study number two. Uh, you know, look, rats like to uh, unwind like the rest of us, so I don't think it would be too hard. But no, uh, it was only a, a safety study, so uh, that means that. No alcohol was administered. Uh, the, they just got the probiotic uh, in water or water alone. Uh, and, you know, at doses a thousand times higher than um, uh, what, what we have in a product in zbiotics. Um, you know it was shown that the product was no more dangerous than the water itself. Um, so meaning that it wasn't, that had no effects. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see if, uh, if we can find some, some drinking rods for the next round. Well,
1: I guess the other thing that you started to touch on was the transparency. Now, if you go to the probiotics aisle at whole foods and you look at all of the products on the shelf, I'm betting that 99% of them have a big non GMO sticker on there and right. you know, butterfly and all that stuff, um, are you going to kind of, you know, maybe kind of keep this over on the back label there and just kind of not mention it? Or are you going to, you know, be uh, loud and proud about technology?
2: Oh, man. I mean, it's not even a question. Uh, the mission of z is about, um, you know, transparency and responsibility and consumer benefit um, for the technology. And so, um, you know, to answer your question simply, we will absolutely be loud and proud about, what, what we've done um, with this bacteria, right? We've engineered it. Um, and that's the reason that the product has value. Uh, it's not engineered, um, you know, to increase the, you know, our yields or our profits or something like that. It is engineered for the purpose of breaking down acid aldehyde uh, for the consumer uh, when they consume alcohol. Um, and so that's the purpose of the genetic engineering. And so to hide that would be sort of not only antithetical to our mission, it would also cheapen the product uh, and not allow the consumer to decide for themselves whether or not they think the product is valuable for them. And so, you know, we see that the technology and, that was used to build it is an asset. Um, we also feel that, um, you know, it was very specifically chosen, um, you know, for us to address acid aldehyde as our first indication or application of this technology um, because it allows the consumer to test the product for themselves Um, and determine for themselves whether or not the product is providing them any value, right? There's a very visceral readout of efficacy the day after drinking, right? You either feel better or you don't. And so we thought that by doing something that wasn't about like, you know, general gut wellness or anti-aging or something that you could not perceive for yourself um, that would not do service, uh, you know, to demonstrating the value of the technology, whereas if you wake up the day after uh, cons- after drinking and using z and you feel good or you feel better, um, then you've had a very visceral and real and positive experience with genetic engineering, and and we wanted to be very transparent about about that. Um, and so from that perspective, you know we call it uh, GMO 2.0, and nothing about it is terribly earth shattering. The idea is that we create products with genetic engineering and. And we are, you know, there's really three tenets. Um, they're very, we're very transparent about our use of that technology. Um, you know, we emphasize, you know, being responsible. And that means not being dismissive of the real concerns that people have around the technology. Um, and but instead addressing them and really being transparent about uh, our safety testing and demonstrating to people that we've we've really done our due diligence to make sure that we're in no way putting them at risk. Um, And allowing and being transparent about that responsibility to allow people to evaluate that for themselves. And then the third tenant is being, uh, you know, focusing on consumer benefit, Um, you know, using the genetic engineering, as I said, to benefit the consumer uh, of the product. Um, And so um, all those things are, you know, that's really the the core tenets of our mission.
1: That's really cool. And so with that as a prelude, uh, can you talk about the next products that are uh, in line to be part of a kind of engineered probiotic family?
2: Yeah, I, absolutely. I think that, you know, in our first product, which we uh, recently launched, um, it will be the world's first ever uh, genetically engineered probiotic. Um, that being said, uh, well, first ever genetically engineered probiotic to go to market. Um, that being said, it, it certainly won't be the last uh, by any means. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, this is really the, the beginning of a category. Um, there are several. Pharmaceutical companies uh, and academic research on uh, genetically engineered probiotics. Uh, there are, you know, products in the pipeline. Uh, I think that, you know, if our product is successful, um, other other people, other companies will develop engineered pro- engineer probiotics to do other things that are beneficial for people. Um, and we're excited about that. And so uh, I think there's a ton of stuff that can be done in in so many different um, uh, verticals. Um, we really like the idea of engaging directly with consumers um, and kind of, you know, in their everyday lives. And so we want to build more probiotic, uh, products, uh, that are engineered to address other issues kind of of daily life. Um, you know, there are lots of things we consume, uh, or exposed to very naturally, um, uh, you know, as people in in modern society, um, and some of the byproducts or, or kind of, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, confounding factors, uh, that, that come along with, uh, with that, with that, with this modern life um, are undesirable. And so, you know, we think we can engineer bacteria to help with those things. So as an example, um, you know, when you consume milk, um, you're exposed to a lot of lactose. And for some people, that's not a problem. But for some people, it causes a little bit of GI distress. And so, you know, there's a simple enzyme that breaks down uh, lactose. Um, And so, you know, engineering a microbe uh, to help you break down the lactose you're consuming um, could be beneficial for some people and so there are things like that where we're sort of dealing with the you know toxic or unwanted uh, byproducts of foods we consume but there's also the other side of the coin on that which is uh, microbes um, help us to absorb nutrients better and so we can engineer probiotics to focus on certain um, nutrients uh, that people you know may be lacking in their diet um, and um, help them assume, uh, absorb those more efficiently Um, and so that's just some, some kind of early off the cuff stuff that we're working on now. Um, that being said, I I mean, you know, the possibilities are endless, uh, you know, as well as in the veterinary space and, um, and as I say, in healthcare and medicine, I mean, there are people already working on, uh, engineer bacteria, um, for, you know, chronic inflammation and all these, uh, you know, very serious diseases, um, as well. And so I think that there is huge opportunity and, you know, 10, 20 years from now, it will seem crazy that we didn't engineer our probiotics, uh, until now. Um, one analogy, sorry, Kevin, if you indulge me for a sec, one analogy I usually like to to give is like, you know, the current state of probiotics is, is kind of like, we just pull them out of the ground, uh, and put them in a pill and give them to people and hope they have some sort of beneficial effect, but there isn't any real demonstration that they do. Um, it's sort of akin to just pulling a hunk of like iron ore out of the ground and giving to somebody and saying, Hey, Use this to hammer in your nails and screw in your screws and and you know uh, split a log and you know all these things. Um, and an engineered probiotic would be the equivalent to taking that hunk of iron ore and then uh, you know uh, refining it, uh, you know modern me- metallurgy into a hammer or a screwdriver or an axe. Um, and so that's the idea: is that we'll take these probiotics, these, these amazing bacteria, and then we'll engineer them to accomplish specific functions.
1: Well, the product has recently been relaunched, and if people wanted to find it, where do they look?
2: Zbiotics.com. You know, we put a lot of work into that website. Uh, There's a lot of information on there. Uh, You know, lots of science. Uh, We did uh, a high-level and a more in-depth discussion about how we engineered the product. Uh, We talk about alcohol metabolism and acetaldehyde. Uh, We talk about our mission and GMO 2.0 and the status of or the state of the GMO debate. Um, There's a lot of things in there. And I think, you know, people, uh, you know, might be surprised uh, by, you know, the way we discuss sort of GMOs, uh, you know, we're not a traditional kind of pro GMO company, I'm air quoting, uh, in the way that you might assume, Uh, you know, we we advocate for um, addressing the concerns and, and the real issues that people have. And so there's a lot to learn on there. Um, but also of course, uh, I'd be remiss to say that you can also get our product there. Um, and so, um, you know, we're selling it directly on our website. Um, and it's, uh, it's a great product and I hope people will try it out and decide for themselves, uh, whether or not it's a valuable product.
1: And you also have a presence in social media like Twitter or Facebook, something like that.
2: Yeah, we have a Twitter account, a Facebook account and, in, uh, Instagram. Um, so, you know, we post uh, cool little content, little science bits and, and lifestyle bits uh, on there and so lots of lots of cool things to find there as well okay
1: and I'll link all of that through the website so Dr. Zach Abbott thank you very much for joining me and the Talking Biotech Podcast
2: likewise Dr. Kevin Fulte I really appreciate it it's been an excellent conversation
1: and uh, thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech Podcast Um, go pour yourself a a stiff one (laughs) and and try some of the uh, the probiotic Um, write a review on iTunes uh, share with friends get more people excited about this medium where we're sharing science. Uh, Our numbers are growing and our reviews are awesome. And it's all because we have outstanding guests and wonderful listeners. Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. And we'll talk to you again next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Talking Biotech podcast. Send your suggestions for guests, comments, or questions to talkingbiotech at gmail.com. Please write a review of this podcast on iTunes and recommend it to a friend. More downloads help us reach a wider audience with science. You've been listening to Talking Biotech, sponsored by Colabra, the platform that bridges the gap between siloed research tools. With Colabra's Electronic Lab Notebook, scientists can work together in real time Sharing data and insights with ease. Revolutionize your research collaboration. Sign up for a demo today at collabra.app. C-O-L-A-B-R-A dot A-P-P.